right, take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and I want to look at one more paradox with you in this last Monday chapel. Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to determine today, or discover today, I should say, that serving is mastering. Serving is mastering. Often in Jesus' time, people would compare servants to masters. And uh, there was always some discussion about that around the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was going to serve or who was going to sit at his right hand? Who was going to be in place of uh, a, a, a master and so on? Well, Jesus addresses this in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 20. And he says, he called unto them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Most in life do not have a goal of serving. As we enter out into life as an adult, we don't think, well, let's see, how can I serve? How can I be a servant for the rest of my life? That's just not part of our makeup humanly. That's not part of our DNA. We want to be the one that's in control. We want to be the one that's the boss. We want to be the owner. We want to be the employer rather than the employee. We want to be the delegator, not the delegation. We want to be the one in control. But Jesus teaches us here in this passage that greatness comes through service. How far are we on this road to greatness? How far have we traveled even this semester or this term in this matter of service? There are four mile markers, I believe, on this road of service. Now, first of all, we find here in this passage that serving must be intentional. It's not something that we do naturally. That's why they were discussing the matter. That's why they wanted to get some answers from Jesus about it. That's why they inquired of him because all of them were jockeying for a position. They all wanted to be first. They all wanted to be more important than someone else. It's not our natural inclination to want to serve. In verse 25, he says that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over others or them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But then he says, it shall not be so among you. So he's teaching us that if we're going to serve, we've got to be intentional about it. We must try to think of ways, ask God for ways to give us an opportunity to serve. Most of the time, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to avoid serving. How can I get out of that? How can I delegate that to somebody else? It's interesting, in Mark chapter 14, Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. And the Bible says that as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box full of ointment, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it upon his feet. She came intentionally to serve. 
Others had come perhaps to see this so-called Messiah. Others had come perhaps to maybe be healed of their own infirmities. Others maybe thought that Jesus will heal the leper here and, and we'll get to see a great miracle. They all came for no doubt different reasons, but this woman came intentionally to serve. Oftentimes people come to church to enjoy or they come to church to fellowship. They come to church to be ministered unto. Do we come intentionally to serve? Do you walk into a church service intending to serve? Are you going into the summer with an intentional desire to serve? In your dorm, in your room, among your peers, do you intentionally serve? What about at the workplace? I remember years ago, a couple of our students, the first week of college one fall, a couple of our young guys, they went down to Big Five Sporting Goods store there on Avenue K. And they walked in just kind of looking around, not really with a purpose to buy anything, but just saw the sporting goods store and thought, hey, let's go in there. And they went in and as they walked in, they started down one of the aisles and there was one of the workers, a young lady, and she was struggling to get a box up on a shelf. She was having a hard time. It was heavy and she was trying to kind of balance it there on her head and trying to shove it up on this shelf. And these two guys, they, they came along and they said, hey, do you need some help? And they, they, without even waiting for an answer, they grabbed that thing and pushed it up on there with no problem. The manager saw it. He came over and he said, do you guys need a job? They said, yeah, actually we do. He said, you're hired. Those two guys got a job. You know why? Because they intentionally served. They saw a need and they decided, let's help. Let's serve. You know, a lot of doors of opportunity will open in our lives if we are intentional about serving. Serving is intentional, but notice also serving is imitational. In, in verse number 28, he tells us, even as the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give his life a ransom for many. Certainly this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, could have come to this earth and demanded that people serve him. He was God, after all. He could have demanded that people wait on him hand and foot, but that was not the plan of Jesus Christ, he came to minister. Even Christ, Paul said, pleased not himself. In John 8, he said, I do always the things that please him, speaking of his heavenly Father. You know, I can't love like Jesus Christ. I don't have that capacity to love in the way that God loves. I don't have the capacity to be faithful like Jesus Christ was faithful to us. I, I fall short of that. I can't be omniscient. I can't know everything as God knows everything. But you know what? I can serve. I can, I can serve. I can imitate Jesus Christ in the way that he served, in the way that he ministered. And Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And so God tells us in the verse before that, let, let not every man, uh, uh, not, let not, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You see, Jesus Christ has given us this example, and we need to imitate him by serving. Serving is intentional. Serving is imitational. Thirdly, serving may be invisible. 
We usually don't mind serving as long as somebody's watching. We don't mind serving as long as there's some applause at the end. We, we don't lie, mind serving as long as there's some kind of reciprocation back to us. But serving is often invisible. I often think about a man in the New Testament by the name of Aristarchus. Aristarchus is described in five places in the New Testament. He's mentioned five times. He's called a companion in travel. He's called a fellow laborer. He's called a fellow prisoner. Aristarchus was a companion in travel with the Apostle Paul. In fact, we find him in Acts chapter 19. We find him in chapter 20. The Apostle Paul was about to get killed. A mob had gathered and Paul had to escape into a theater to escape this mob and save his life. If you read it carefully in chapter 19 and 20, Aristarchus also fled to that theater for protection with Paul because he was a companion in travel. Chapter 27, you know the story of Paul being shipwrecked. Paul in this terrible storm on board this ship, it, 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 it's broken in pieces. They had, to, they had to swim. They had to get on a piece of board to, to save their life. And they come to this island and the barbarous people, they, they looked at them like they were some kind of gods. And you remember the viper attached on Paul and he shook it off and, and uh, had no harm. And we think about that amazing adventure of the apostle Paul. Guess who was there? Aristarchus. Acts 27 verse 2 tells us he was on board that ship with Paul. See, he was a companion in travel. Later on, Paul calls him a fellow servant. We often think of Paul starting churches. We think of Paul preaching. We think of Paul ministering to people along the way, but Aristarchus was there. Later, Paul calls Aristarchus a fellow prisoner. We think of Paul being beheaded. We think of Paul being in prison. We think of Paul writing those, those letters to Timothy and so on from that prison cell. But Aristarchus was a fellow prisoner. But you see, Aristarchus is kind of invisible. He was there the whole time. He was a companion of Paul. He was a fellow traveler, a fellow laborer, a fellow prisoner. He was there throughout his ministry. Others had forsaken Paul, but not Aristarchus. But his ministry was sort of invisible. Nobody names their kids Aristarchus. Probably not a name you've considered for any of your children one day. I like the name. Call him Airhead for short. <laughs> Nobody names their kids Aristarchus. A lot of people are named Paul. There are no books in the Bible written by Aristarchus. There, there, there's, there's, there's no biography written about this man. And yet he was as faithful as the Apostle Paul. You see, serving may be invisible. People may not know the areas in which you serve. There may not be a, a thank you. There may not be an applause. There may not be a recognition. There may not be a, a reciprocal something given back to you. I was asked to take part in a funeral 
for a man that was one of my instructors in college. I took uh, homiletics from Dr. Weeks. I took Baptist history. I took Acts. I took Revelation from Dr. Weeks. I took a number of classes from this wonderful man of God. And it was a privilege to be at his funeral and have a part in that service. At the funeral, there were some others that were given an opportunity to speak and share a testimony about Dr. Weeks. I was there to read some scripture at his request prior to his death, and some others had been asked to come and give a testimony. One of the men that was asked to come was a pastor. His name was Dave Leslie. Dave was a kid that grew up without a dad in the city of Chicago, and Dr. Weeks was pastoring a church at that time and met the Leslie family and won them to Christ and became kind of a dad to David and some of his brothers as they were growing up without a dad, single-parent home. And David was greatly influenced by Dr. Weeks' ministry as a young person and then in college and so on and out into the ministry. And he was asked to give a testimony at the funeral. I was sitting on the platform waiting for my turn to read some scripture and sort of in my own thoughts about Dr. Weeks and his influence upon my life in college. And Pastor Leslie got up and he said, I remember when I was a student at at college, Dr. Weeks would often come into the men's dorm on Friday afternoon. And he would say, hey, who wants to go to a high school football game tonight? And he said, we always wanted to go. There were always 10 or 12 guys who wanted to go. And Dr. Weeks would say, well, my car will be out front at such and such a time. If you want to go, I'll take you. And he said, we'd pile into his car on Friday nights, and we'd go to the the high school football game with Dr. Weeks. He's telling this story, and I thought, well, that's that's interesting. I I didn't know that. And Dave said, you know, we'd get to that football game, and Dr. Weeks would always pay our way in. And we'd get up in those bleachers. We'd set up near the top, and we'd get a little something to eat. We'd settle in, kind of watch the warm-ups and stuff. He said, every Friday night, Dr. Weeks would say to whoever was there, he said, you see number 60 down there? Let's pray for him. He said, I believe God wants to use that boy. We need to pray for him. And he said, we would pray. I'm sitting there. I went to high school in that town. I was number 60. I didn't know that. I didn't know Dr. Weeks prayed for me every Friday night at football games until he was laying in the casket. I never knew that. And literally, I wanted to come off that platform, open that casket, and thank him. It was too late. You know, sometimes your service will be invisible. Those prayers had a great impact on my life. Because as a senior in high school, I wasn't headed to Bible college. I wasn't living for the Lord as sold out as I should have been. Those prayers made a difference. Your service may be invisible. But notice finally, serving is incalculable. The value of the things that we serve in can never really be measured this side of heaven. 
We cannot know what that service will actually produce. You can count your money. You, you, you can count your friends. You, you, can, you can check things off your bucket list in life. You, there's a lot of things you can measure in life, but you cannot calculate service, at least not here. You're, you're never going to know how God uses you in areas of service. But God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you've showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Dr. Weeks could have never calculated the effect of his prayers. He could have never calculated that those nights in that fall weather or sitting up in a bleach with a bunch of college guys praying for some high school kid would have amounted to much of anything. You see, you'll never be able to calculate serving here. But oh, I'm thankful when you get there, God will calculate your service. God will measure it. And God will reward appropriately. And he will, he will, he will reward generously. When we serve, not natural. It's not in our DNA. In fact, it's in our DNA to kind of avoid it. Nah, I'd rather not. Nah, I got other things to do. Nah, I'd be more comfortable if I didn't. But serving is intentional. It's imitational. Serving is sometimes invisible, but it's incalculable. You cannot calculate what God is going to do. You have had impact this semester on somebody else, and you'll never be able to measure that until you get to heaven. This summer, you and I have opportunity to meet people, to influence their life. You won't be able to calculate it here. No one may even know that you served in some way. But God will. And God keeps the record. And so let him keep it. When George Whitfield was about to die, he asked on his gravestone that there be just simple words. Here lies G.W., the record is on high. That's all he wanted on his tombstone. Here lies G.W. The record is on high. George Whitfield, one of the greatest preachers known to man, preached to as many as 80,000 people at one time without a mic boy preacher with the golden voice. Benjamin Franklin said he could hear his voice distinctly over a mile away. A man that God blessed with hundreds and thousands of people being saved. But all he wanted on the tombstone, here lies G.W. The record is on high. If that's your motivation, that the record is on high, You'll be a servant, and you will serve well.